All right, you're recording, you're, you're all right? Kurt, we're good? Yes. Yes, we're good. Okay, welcome to the Thursday, March 17th, uh, 2022 Metropolitan Planning Organization for Lawrence Douglas County. Um, first, we will do roll call and that will be done by our new member. We'll get an introduction from here shortly, Paul Hornbeck. All right, thank you, uh, Carter. Uh, Kelly. Larson. Here. Roberts. Shanklin. Here. Shipley. Here. Smith. Here. And uh, Kelly, I see you have joined. Yep, here. All right, is that everyone that you see, Paul? I believe so. All right. Um, uh, uh, Jessica, do I want to switch back to you so you can explain the the rules? And, and <laughs> oh, Paul has that for us today, too. Okay. Are you ready, Paul? I am ready. So good afternoon. My name is Paul Hornbeck, Transportation Planner, and I'm with Jessica Mordinger, uh, Transportation Planning Manager on video. We will work alongside Courtney Shipley, Chair, to facilitate the meeting proceedings. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast live on the city's YouTube channel and public access cable channel 25. During the meeting, when you are not participating, please mute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon found in the lower left-hand side of the Zoom menu next to the video icon. When you are muted, a red line will appear over the icon. Muting your microphone during the meeting will make it easier for everyone to hear. You'll just have to remember to unmute if and when you want to speak. In some cases, we may mute people as needed to minimize distractions during the meeting. Please remember to state your name and title for the benefit of those listening remotely. You can turn your video on and off by clicking on the video icon on the menu. For the purposes of this public meeting, please keep your video on when you are participating in the meeting. When you are not participating, it is okay to turn your video off. Just remember to turn your video back on when you are participating. If you are participating by phone, you can click star six to unmute your phone. For those using Zoom, somewhere on your screen, you will see a choice to toggle between speaker and gallery view. Speaker view shows the active speaker, gallery view tiles all the meeting participants. Individuals who are registered in advance to provide public comments remotely will be called upon by name and no one will sign up today. When you are called on, please uh, please unmute your device and state your name before speaking. The chair will then call for in-person public comment for those who are physically present. Staff will direct them to the podium to speak while following social distancing and safety protocols. All motions will need to be stated clearly. After a motion is made and seconded, staff will call on each member individually to provide their vote. 
staff will then uh, need to announce whether the motion carried and the vote in the count of the vote. I will now turn the meeting back over to Chair Courtney Shipley. Thank you, Paul. Nice to meet you. Um, unless you stop me, Jessica, um, I guess we're ready to move on to public comment. Okay. <laughs> yep. Let's go ahead and see if there's any public comment there in the hall. Jessica Morton, your transportation planning manager. No one is uh, present and no one has signed up online when I checked before the meeting. Yeah, I'm not seeing anyone here either. So um, I guess we can move on here. Uh, let's go ahead and approve the minutes from January 20th, 2022. Hopefully there was enough of us here that were there. Uh, do I have any motions or did anyone see anything they needed to address in those minutes? Okay, is there any motions? Commissioner Kelly, I'll make a motion to approve the minutes. Mr. Larson, second. Mayor Shipley, I have a first and a second. Uh, and I will let Paul call the names for that vote. Kelly? Yes. Larson? Yes. Shanklin? Yes. Shipley? Yes. Smith? Yes. Okay, uh, passes 5-0. Mayor Shipley, excellent. Thank you so much. Um, that means we can carry on to agenda item number one, uh, which Jessica will um, present for us. Hi, Jessica Morton, your transportation planning manager. Hopefully you can see my screen. Yes, okay. Um, I'm bringing before you today um, for a second time after you considered releasing it for public comment, uh, Transportation 2040 Amendment 2. Um, during the public comment period, this was out for public comment from January 24th to February 23rd. No comments were received on this project for this amendment for Transportation 2040. This amendment adds the project of K33, the Douglas County Reconstruction Franklin County Line to US 56. It's a KDOT uh, Ike Transportation Project, uh, Eisenhower Legacy Transportation Program, which is the long range transportation uh, planning uh, project um, for the state. And they are doing rolling projects. So this program, this pro project um, is authorized for planning only at this time, but it's within the fiscal constraint chapters. It moved it into fiscal constraint as it begins that process and it needs to do that to be programmed in the TIP. So coming in a future uh, month, you'll see a TIP amendment that includes um, this, this same project. Um, the project has some safety uh, concerns in terms of crash history that um, the future design uh, co conversation will include uh, improvements uh, to improve the safety of this 
corridor. Um, you can see some of the financial uh, considerations. The summary included, you can see here's the location in the far southeast corner of the county um, for the portion that's in Douglas County um, in the map. And then the summary includes the remaining pages in T2040 that are changed um, based on this amendment of adding this project. Um, the TAC recommended approval of this TIP or this MTP amendment at their March 1st meeting. Um, and so I'd entertain any question or conversation you'd like to have about this amendment. Um, Mayor Shibley, just double check. Nobody has any questions. Okay. <laughs> um, are there any motions, therefore? This is Commissioner Kelly. I'll go ahead and make a motion to approve the Transportation 24 Amendment 2. Commissioner Larson, second. First and second. Paul, can you? Kelly. Yes. Larson. Yep. Shanklin. Yeah. Shipley. Yes. Smith. Yes. So the vote is five zero. Excellent, Mayor Shipley. Uh, then we can move on to item number two, the public participation plan. Jessica Morringer, Transportation Planning Manager. I've shared a screen with you. I have a few slides to present to you to share with you a little bit about the work that we've been doing on our public participation plan. Um, we drafted a plan and put it out for the federally required 45-day public comment period. Um, no comments were received, and this is the final plan we're bringing back to you for consideration for your adoption today. Um, that updates our previous public participation plan. Um, we started this process by um, surveying the community, doing some extensive tabling while we were doing tabling for the pedestrian plan and for the transit route redesign, um, collecting, asking people if they would take one survey, if they would take another survey. Um, and it, it was very fascinating to us as we went through that process. Um, this was a pretty simple survey. It was five or six questions. And it just asked people, how did they hear about the survey? How did they, how did they get information about um, transportation planning? Um, so here you can kind of see emails, the highest um, response in terms of how people are finding out about us with a lot of other options kind of dispersed throughout um, in terms of, you know, uh, when they said other, here's kind of the things, uh, places that they heard about it, which this just kind of gives us some information um, that we thought was interesting about how are people finding out the information that we're trying to solicit as we work to write a plan to engage more diverse populations in our community. The, this we thought was very fascinating. We asked them, have you provided input to any transportation or training transit planning projects in the past? And 72% said no. Um, and so we thought that was pretty insightful and meant that we were doing some additional outreach um, in places and locations that we were talking to new people in the process. Um, we thought it was a little bit interesting that still people had heard about it by email, um, and the, but that they hadn't participated in the past. So that kind of brought up another question, but it gives us some insight into what's happening 
happening. People told us surveys and in, in email, followed by in person and then on the bus and by meeting kind of were the most popular ways for uh, them to provide input in our process. Um, this really reflects, I think, a lot of the work that we do typically. This is, this is the space we're in normally. Um, we think it's interesting. We gave some other options to people in terms of website, letter to the editor, one-on-one -on -one interactions, a written public comment through work or Twitter. Um, as you know, we we're hearing from people in other spaces also. Um, and so this is, you know, this is kind of where we're at we're at now. And of course, because we were collecting certain information through a survey tool and we had uh, with tabling for other things, it really wasn't that surprising that survey was kind of that most popular way um, that people wanted to be uh, solicited for information. That's probably in-person and online surveys. Most usually the majority of the surveys we collect in any survey process are paper surveys from tabling if we do tabling. So um, people said, and then we said, how would you just like to be informed of opportunities to provide input? And the most popular uh, response by far was email. Um, and so, but you can see there's a lot of different ways that some people are finding our information, um, probably depending on kind of what type of uh, project we're doing. Um, age, we looked at demographic makeup of some of the people who took our survey to help understand this. Under, we recognize this, like many of our surveys, is underrepresented in the under 18 category. Um, and so we've, we've talked about that also in some other work that we're doing in terms of more youth voice and our engagement um, and, and strategies to do that. Um, we specifically talked about that in the pedestrian planning that just may be of interest. Um, to some of you, this is the makeup of the city at large. And so you can see um, that youth category is, is quite underrepresented. Um, we also looked at uh, the race uh, or ethnicity, uh, uh, basically how people self-selected. Um, and based on that compared to the city to look at the demographic uh, breakdown, you can see um, we have a little bit of underrepresentation, but we have um, some representation from all self-disclosed representation um, in the survey. You can see still the predominant percentage is still under on the minority um, categories. Um, of course, uh, this is not all the responses. This is uh, These are all optional and these aren't statistically significant, but it gives us an idea about who we're hearing from in the community, which we think is valuable. Um, part so we we did that process to understand and that surveying to understand who who we're talking to. Um, if we talk to new people, how do you like to find out information? And that really helps us understand as we build our toolbox of tools how we are going to engage the community in our public processes. Um, we have. Uh, with, like the city of Lawrence, since we're housed at the city, participated, the MPO staff had, has had um, participated in International Public Associate, the Association of Public Participation Training. I have a second half to finish, and that'll be on the list for Paul to do at some point. But our spectrum of engagement for um, the MPO public participation plan, while it was the, a lot of the tools or methodologies, methodologies didn't change. We really aligned it with the framework that that um, methodology uh, provides us in terms of a lot of the language around that. So you don't have to read all these categories, but 
I'll kind of show you at, at the at the easy end, we think about what's the least we should be doing in emergent, maybe this is the more emergency situations or you need to know what's happening versus when you see our steering committee processes, um, you'll find that much of the MPO engagement is at this collaborate level of engagement. Um, we have a steering commi committee um, and you can see that kind of in the techniques. They're, they're helping guide that process. It's representative of various stakeholder voices. And so many of our big processes are in this phase. You can kind of see here, we outline the MPO activities. So we're thinking of inform more when we're doing performance measure reporting and tip rev administrative revisions. Um, then it comes into things like tip target setting, tip amendments, Title VI, maybe a UPWP where we're going to consult the public, but um, in that process. Um, and then involve um, kind of gets us into thinking about this plan and how we adopted it. We're going to solicit input, engage with residents uh, before something is, or uh, uh, community members before it's designed. Um, and then at the very farthest end, what I what we talked about in terms of collaborate, and that's the really the most intense and part of the, and the, from the spectrum um, that that we have um, as you know you're the final decision making body, so we don't hand that over to anybody else. So this is the one where the steering committee helps guide the drafts before things um, come to you, and you can kind of see the examples of the work that we show across our activities with all of our techniques in the plan. These are all defined. You can go find out about. All of these techniques are detailed in more uh, process along with a table of what kind of how we lay that out for each of our documents. But hopefully that gives you a good idea of where we're at in terms of public in, uh, engagement and community engagement and the work that we do. It's a really important, not only federal part of our work, but it's an important community value that we understand that the public has high expectations about engagement. And we hope to meet and deliver on those within the staff capacity that we have. And we will continue to do that and be reflective of, of that ch the changing environment that COVID has created created because of that, but also across our community. Um, we recognize also in the plan Although we don't, uh, I haven't, I showed it here specifically today, but our efforts really to ensure that underrepresented voices are part of the transportation planning process. So thinking about how we do outreach um, to some of those vulnerable users of our transportation system. And so, um, you know, we, you see that on bus engagement or going to where people are, those types of techniques and strategies really speak to the nature of how our commitment, um, not only with time, but energy that we are to community engagement for the work that we're doing. So I'd be happy to entertain um, any questions or conversations you'd like to have about our proposed uh, public participation plan. Jessica, this is Cecily at Federal Highway. I just wanted to uh, congratulate you on the work that you did with your public participation plan. It is definitely uh, very inclusive. It really looks like you all got out there to get as much information as you can. And we definitely do appreciate all of the effort that you put into it simply because of all the new requirements that are coming out. It's glad to see that you guys are really taking a proactive uh, chance to go ahead and get that public input incorporated to tailor your needs. Thank you. Jessica, this is Commissioner Kelly, and I was really um, curious about the transportation disadvantaged population map. Um, that that was a really interesting graphic just to sort of represent. Can you talk a little bit about how you might use the information that's on that map um, 
in the public participation process that you've designed? Absolutely. Jessica Morringer, Transportation Planning Manager. I think that um, in terms of in public participation, I, I'm not sure yet what it means in terms of how we will use it. But I think the answer to that is if we know where people who we anticipate belong to populations are more vulnerable in our community, then we know physical locations of where to find those people. So if we don't go to service providers, like the library is a very great community service provider where we see a broad range of people throughout the community. Um, but if we're not seeing representation across our demographics as we're in the middle of surveying processes and we're kind of tracking who we're hearing from, I think it's our responsibility as planners to understand who we're not hearing from and go out and make additional efforts, whether that's going to, whether that's going to the physical locations, thinking about finding ways to table in locations where people are. So thinking about going to a specific grocery store in near neighborhoods. Um, we've done that before and tried that. Partnering with, with like when the library is going to be there. We've tried to table, we've tabled at locations in partnership with Just Food Mobile Pantry. Um, so I think we have to think creatively about how people are spatially located and how that impacts their ability. Maybe if, if, if they're transportation vulnerable, they may not be coming to a meeting to participate. So we have to go places where people already are um, to, to catch them when they're available to help make sure we have representative voices in the process. On the planning side though, um, I also think it means in our process and the pedestrian plan is gonna be a really good example of that. Um, you'll the, That will come before you in the coming months, um, the work that we have drafted for that plan, specifically the Lawrence pedestrian plan, but then the other, um, the other city's pedestrian plan as well. We have a little more work to do on them, but we can use that spatial data to help tell the story about inequities and disparity in our community. And so for in, in that, in the Lawrence pedestrian plan, we have compared all of the existing road and sideway, sidewalk networks for every block group across our community. Um, every one of those maps is in the appendices of the plan, but we show a summary of the um, the basically the ratio kind of as a proxy of sidewalk to roadway in those areas as an effort to understand that if there is disparity, if there's more missing sidewalk in areas that have vulnerable transportation populations, then maybe there should be effort made if we're doing sidewalk gap infill and that's being prioritized through a local process like with the Multimodal Transportation Commission, then as planners, we have that obligation to help share that data and information. So decision can be made to prioritize investments, whether that be to transit, whether that be thinking about bus stop amenities or sidewalks or bikeways or safe routes to school routes in places where we can affect our most vulnerable populations. And we're hoping to grow the ability, our ability to use that data set. Um, we've only really established it in the last few years, that transportation disadvantaged populations index. And so we're hoping to build through all of our processes, I think the ability to tell the story Story about who is impacted in our community by transportation investments. Thanks, appreciate that. Uh, Mayor Shipley, any other questions? Um, I mean, <laughs> this is a little kind of a strange one. I'm interested in the way. Um, 
whenever you put these things out, there's always like 45 days, like there's a limitation on the amount of time, but that's a minimum, not a maximum, right? 45 day public comment on this. And in the, in the past, of course, on certain things, we've added time. So can you talk to me about why is just generally why it is that you have these day limitations? It's not something I hear from really any other, um, any other department in the city, this time, these time limits. Yeah. Jessica Mortinger, transportation planning manager. So for this particular plan, the public participation plan, this is a federally required document. And it has a federally required 45-day public comment period. Um, and so that's a prescriptive uh, number. That's a prescriptive days. You must keep it out for a minimum of that number of days. Um, it's the most number of days that has that requirement. Um, most of our public processes following that that federal process allow people not only to engage in the process in terms of surveys and through steering committees to help shape the document, but they really, the public comment periods create an opportunity for the, the public to get on public record so, the, so they, it can be seen in front of decision makers, um, any comments they have about a document. And so this plan establishes the timelines that we use for all of our other federally required documents. And we have set those based on kind of the practices that we use. Um, and so you see 30 days or 15 days um, in this document. We have a table that, that we actually use quite a lot when we're going through our process to understand that. And that's really in line, I think, with some just federal expectations, but also public expectations. At that point in the process, process often, I wouldn't... I would not expect often to hear a lot by the time we get to a public comment period, the formal public comment period on the draft. We're hearing from a lot of really invested stakeholders at that point who, or somebody who's very invested in the outcome of what might be written in a plan. Um, and that's really why we have to do the breadth of, of work that we do with the community engagement, because we really would expect to see the most amount of participation in the front end in our survey work. Um, and I think I hope to think I we I think we reflect on some of that when we don't see comment. It's not that people don't care. It's that they believe that the work that people who do see it. So like in this instance, I can tell 10 people clicked on the link to look at the survey and to look at the comment, but nobody ended up leaving comment. So um, there were some people who obviously received our email. That's how they like to find information and whether or not they reviewed the document. They clicked on the link to the survey and decided not to provide to provide input. So um, we kind of interpret that as um, you know. I think by we get, by the time we get to that point, that's not where we're really thinking that we're only going to get the comment to produce our document. So hopefully that helps. But I think if there was ever a reason why we thought we needed more time, we could always have that if we thought we needed to do additional work. Um, a local group recently asked me if we if we were going to do open houses. Uh, during those public comment periods. And I said that would be something I think we could consider if they thought there was value to that. But honestly, it would be more tabling because our open houses don't get much attendance. So I really, that's not the strategy I would, um, unless there's something incredibly controversial, that's not necessarily, I think, the best use of our time to collect community input. But that kind of gives you some insight to the day comment period limits. Very good, thank you. I see Commissioner Shanklin. Greg Shanklin, Planning Commissioner. Um, Jessica, given that um, you know two thirds of the people don't want to receive a survey and prefer other means of, of providing input, 
and half of them don't want to get an email. Um, do you, and referring back to Commissioner Kelly's comment on the, the transportation disadvantage map, do you have a way, um, A, of assuring that you are matching the right communications techniques to the right people and that you're matching the right methods of input with the right people? And how do you measure that? How do you assure yourself that, uh, you know, you've you've really satisfied the requirement of getting stakeholder input, particularly those transportation disadvantaged people. Jessica Mortinger, transportation planning manager. I think that's an evolving process. And I think we have learned over time and adapted and we will continue to adapt uh, the things that we do based on how uh, the response we get from the community or how effective we feel like it was, and we're gonna have to keep trying. So an example um, in terms of some of the work we've done, we've translated the pedestrian plan and transit route redesign survey work that the MPO is both involved in to Spanish language format, uh, where those are available in, in print form at the library. We've tabled at, um, the Mexican grocery store. We have done targeted outreach um, in some of those ways, um, particularly on with with like the transit work where where uh, the MPO had a vested um, process with Lawrence Transit and some of that work that um, we went on the buses. You know, and we learn we've learned you know at what bus stops or time of day or. I think it's an evolution and I think we just have to keep getting, um, we just have to be able to respond and our community partners give us a lot of guidance that's very helpful. Um, so thinking about our relationship and work with um, public health who serves in a lot of these places, we um, have a member of our transportation planning division team member who attends the human service coalition meeting. So sometimes in the case when you can't directly reach out to these populations, we do that through the proxy of working with uh, people who work with clients that are represented in these groups um, and having them help us get information. I think the, the question for the people who are interested in a survey, we know the online surveys really, it is the captive audience. It's people who are privileged to have internet. It's people who are privileged to have resources to do that. And we know that the the burden of our work really is on making sure that we're in places where people are and collecting and having available paper surveys. Um, and that still is going to be the case. I think for some people, um, you know, maybe the survey is not the tool, but there's a written comment card and they can have that. We talk to people also at the table. So when we're doing tabling, a lot of times we're answering questions people may have about all sorts of transportation projects or elements or trying to make sure they get the right connection to the agency. And I think we just have to continue to con to be responsive to what we're hearing. And I don't know, we don't know what we don't know until we can continue to evaluate our process. And so I would say we're always receptive to feedback. And I think we're at this point in time with our capacity for staffing, we're doing the best job that we can do um, in this in these processes. And so if there's higher expectations, then we can continue to have those conversations in our community and we can figure out how we achieve the resources to reach a higher level of to meet expectations. But we'll continue to do the work that we're doing and be really intentional about it. Honestly, controversy gets the most people out. So we've even you know gone so far as to think about strategies where you throw something really crazy out there um, to people in terms of getting a bunch of 
people to come tell you, oh, no, you're doing this awful, but you've got their attention, right? So um, I think we just have to be creative about how we continue to do that work. And, you know, we've been reflective. We, we make mistakes. Um, sometimes we put out surveys, they're too technical. You know, we have very good intention. Um, and I think we just have to keep learning and working with all of our community partners um, to get review of those tools that we're developing um, to make sure that they're simple enough and that they, they're open-ended enough, that they give people opportunities, even if they can't answer the question we want them to answer to provide input that still could be beneficial to the process. I hope that answers your question. I don't know that there's a, there's not a, you know, there's not a single answer to that. I think it's a bunch of different things and we have to just keep understanding what that is. Just a quick follow on. Um, do you match or, or gather the data on um, the people from, well, in the first instance, who you contact, and secondly, um, who you receive input from in a way that helps you match communications and input techniques to demographic characteristics? I think Jessica Moringer, transportation planning manager. Probably yes, I haven't thought about that so technically, but I do, but I do think we do that. Um, we know in some cases, like for example, when we work on in, in kind of a spectrum of coordinated public transit human services planning. So if we're working with senior populations or we're working with clients at an agency organization like Independence Inc. or Cottonwood, we don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily take a long form paper survey to some of those groups to do that work. It needs to be more informal and it needs to be a conversation where we're the one recording notes and, and um, allowed being able to ask follow up questions. And so that's a technique that we'll use that we spend the most amount of time kind of in our long range planning process to do. And I think some of those types of more informal techniques um, are the ones where we don't necessarily get that it's not the quantity of the volume of the information we're getting. It's to make sure that we're getting a lot of diverse voices. Um, and so those voices can be heard in the process and we'll do that kind of work. Um, and that would be an example, I think, of where we match the communication style and the technique we're using to the population. Mayor Shipley, any other questions or comments? Let's make sure there's no public comment. Jessica Mortinger, Transportation Planning Manager. There's no one in person and I see no one has joined online. And, um, uh, there's no other discussion. Any other discussion? Um, I would entertain um, any motions. St. Patrick's Day. We don't want to make motions. Come okay. on. <laughs> this is Commissioner Kelly. I make a motion to approve the public participation plan. Allison Smith KDOT, a second. Mayor Shipley, I have a first and a second. Uh, Paul, can you call the roll for us? Kelly? Yes. Larson? Yes. Shanklin? Shanklin? I'm, I'm having 
Uh, we'll maybe come back to him. Uh, Smith? Yes. Uh, Commissioner Shanklin, back with us. I, I hope so, yes. <laughs> and uh, did you hear Mayor, Got it, thank you. And Mayor Shipley, did I, I skip to you, I think? It's okay, yes. Okay, uh, motion passes uh, unanimously. Uh, Mayor Shipley, excellent. Thank you, Paul. Um, that leads us to quick updates. And Paul, since you're new, I'm going to go ahead and assume that Jessica will be doing that for us. Yeah, Jessica Mortinger, Transportation Planning Manager. I tried to assign Paul all these presentations. It didn't work. Um, I have some quick updates for you. Uh, we wanted to let you know the federal fiscal year 21 to 24 Transportation Improvement Pro Program Amendment 5 is out for public comment. Um, you'll see that at a future meeting. Uh, additionally, we have the Lawrence Pedestrian Plan out for public comment through uh, about the end of March. Um, I provided the link to the KDOT monthly updates and the link to the recent January 20th, um, most recently approved uh, technical advisory committee minutes. I'd be happy to entertain conversation about any of those items. Uh, Mayor Shipley, uh, not seeing or hearing anybody ask about that, those things. Um, hold on here. Uh, I don't think we do comment on that, do we? It's okay, no one's here. <laughs> anyway, no. Um, is there any other business that, that um, anyone would like to bring up? Allison Smith KDOT, uh, I did a reminder for TAC that um, RTA call um, I think just closed. So we're reviewing um, the phase one applications. Um, so that process is ongoing. Um, and we are, um, and I'm sitting in for Matt for a few months because he's on paternity leave. He has a new baby, a new baby boy. So um, just let you all know that. So baby Lewis joined the world, so I will be sitting in um, as he's on paternity leave. So, Mayor Shibley, that's so nice. Tell him yeah. we all say congratulations. I will. <laughs> Everybody's right. healthy and happy. So, right. excellent. Um, anyone else? Doesn't look like it. Okay, our next meeting is April 21st. I'm typing that in right now. Um, and unless Jessica informs us nope, otherwise. We'll see you there. <laughs> okay. We got sounds that tip good. amendment. Sounds all good. It's a, it's a for sure then everybody. Great, okay. Well, we don't normally do a motion to adjourn okay. and I'm sure we all have a St. Patrick's Day to get to. I'm, I'm Enjoy I the weather. See Commissioner Kelly over there. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great day, everyone. Thank you. Thanks.